you're listening to the one-on-one football podcast the number one podcast for aussie rules training coaching and development tips episode number two my name is andrew rains and i'm the founder of one-on-one football i'm joined by my co-host today in harry simington harry how are you mate good mate very good here for episode two (laughs) We're ready today, Mo. We'll put you on the uh, on the spot today, so we're going to interview you. Looking forward to it. We'll uh, we'll see how much we can dig up. Yeah. So today's topic is going to be on pursuing Plan B and dealing with setbacks. Um, so in episode one, obviously interviewing me and understanding my background, it's t- time to turn it to you, Harry, and understand where you've come from. A bit of a different um, pathway to mine, obviously being a lot younger and more experienced in terms of the football landscape, but. Definitely got me covered academically, mate. I'm looking forward to hearing your progress in your university degrees and what you're doing outside of football. Um, and also for the listeners too, obviously got a lot of listeners that could be coming through the draft system or the talent pathways. And to make them realise it's not all about football um, and it is pursuing a plan B and dealing with setbacks along the way, I think it's really important for footballers to be able to identify um, situations where you are struggling and you do have these setbacks um, and also not to put all your eggs in one basket. There's a lot that's asked of you to be a junior footballer um, and pursuing your dream and, and the talent pathways and, and through to the AFL, but um, there's obviously a lot more to it and, and being able to sort of ground yourself and, and um, surround yourself with different people, networks and um and I suppose um, a bit of a plan. So looking forward to hearing yourself um, today, mate, and, and some of the questions. So let's dive into it. So Harry, just give the listeners a bit of a background on your journey um, and how you got involved with footy to, to begin with um, and maybe touch on some of those talent pathways we've spoken about before um, and what was some of your achievements as a junior footballer? Yeah, um, I guess I've been involved with footy as long as I can remember. Um I'll stitch dad up here a little bit. Um, my dad's a, a pom. He was born over in England and um, he lived in Adelaide. So I grew up as a, as a Port fan. Um, and then when uh, when mum was actually pregnant with me, um, she was asking to go to the hospital. It was, it was very close to giving birth. And um, and dad insisted that we wait till half time um, or that mum waits till half time of the footy game that was on Port Adelaide. We're playing Collingwood, I think. Um, so yeah, right from the word go, I was, um, I was destined to play a bit of footy. Um, actually, got born on the uh, on the side of a freeway because of that as well um so dad yeah. was delay, delaying everything thanks thanks to uh thanks to football so then um yeah grew up watching footy um huge fan um we actually moved to adelaide for two years um from queensland and um being a little bit more of a football um, a football state we sort of immersed ourselves in it a little bit um we we're only in adelaide for two years before we returned to queensland um when i was about 12 years old and that was sort of where um where everything started for me um made my first rep team i'd sort of been overlooked for a couple over in adelaide um and yeah it was sort of under 12s managed to make the south coast team and then um play for queensland as well in the in the national championships and that sort of um yeah led me on to the sun's academy where i was lucky enough to um to, to play under you and right through from under 12s till under 19s i was i was part of the sun's academy um I played cricket a lot as well um growing up i represented queensland and it was always a juggling act between those two um, and then, yeah, it was about under 15s when, when I decided to give up cricket. Uh, I still remember the, uh, the conversation I had with, uh, with Jason Tawney at the academy and sort of weighing up the options and, um, yeah, decided that the, the pathways um, in footy and, and the opportunities that I had with the academy were, um, were enough to sort of pull me away from cricket and put all of, um, all of my effort into footy. Um, and, yeah, I guess from there, I represented Queensland um, in the in under 16s through to 18s. Um, and played a few years of NEFL uh, with the Suns as well uh, before moving down to uh, to Victoria uh, a couple of years ago to play VFL. Yeah, perfect. It's sort of um, obviously we'll touch a fair bit on your relocation and leading into the draft and things like that. But let's, let's just take it back a bit to when you were 15. I get this question asked, I get, get asked this question a lot of junior footballers and parents and things like that. When should you be able to make that decision about? cricket um it could be a sport like cricket or basketball but it's usually cricket well, it's, a lot of the time it's cricket because it is a goes hand in hand with football summer and winter sport um i actually had to make a decision too when i was about 16 um myself sort of playing some representative cricket but i always knew i was probably a bit better at football a were you better at one or the other and b um when, when does he have the chuckle there uh, and b when do you need it when do you think it's 
it's important to make that decision? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, there's the, the whole debate of, of specializing in sports early and the effect that that can have. Um, I think for me, it, the, the reason why I decided at, at around under 15 was um, that footy and cricket had both sort of, as you were saying, instead of being a, a summer and winter sport, it became a, a summer season in cricket with a winter preseason for cricket. Um, and that winter preseason obviously um, interfered with footy and, and the footy preseason in, in summer interfered with cricket. So for me, it was, um, I was having to give up academy sessions. Um, I remember I remember these these camps that we had at Metricon and I constantly, and like um, little carnivals and things. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't play um, in all the representative footy, um, uh, footy off-season games that I wanted to. And I think that sort of, got to a point where it was it, it might have sabotaged my, my spot in the um in the list and i think until that point comes i'm i'm all for playing as many sports as you can as a um as a as a, as a young person i think um yeah the, the longer you can um you can play multiple sports the better um but yeah that sort of got to a point where it was um it, it, it was one or the other and i guess taking both of them quite seriously um i didn't have enough energy to um yeah, put put um, all of my eggs in both baskets, um, so yeah. to speak. I think the challenging thing too is I was actually walking around the park the other day um, in here on the Gold Coast, and I think it's our hottest November up here in history in Queensland. And a junior cricket playing, and I just couldn't believe it. I can't believe I played all those summers in the heat. So you're right; it's 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 the energy factor um, because obviously you're burning the candle at both ends, especially if pre-season starts around about now, which we do in a lot of the, the pathways or in academies or even you know some club football around Australia starting around November. And to juggle that, I think it's about the age, about 15 or 16, where you really make, need to make the call. I think it's it's probably more so your first pre-season, I would have thought. Um, your first, you know, a 16-year-old is not going to do a senior pre-season, but it's good, you're going to do probably a modified pre-season and start um, you're starting to do those sort of pre-season programs over over your journey. It's sort of you're starting around sort of 15, 16. So I think that is really important and it's a really good discussion to have. And obviously with consulting with your parents and your loved ones and, and obviously your coach and things like that, it's a, it's a tough decision, but um, something you made, mate, and I think um, it definitely paid off. Um, I started coaching you, I think, around 16, 17 and, and had a really good lead into your under-18s year. And, Represented Queensland and then um, and then into the Allies, um, hosting academy football. Um, you established yourself definitely in the academy um, under my coaching. I thought you were definitely the most professional player. I think you won um, the most professional award that we handed out uh, once a year. We we hand out some awards and you won that award, which was a, a great effort. But also your disability to which I, I suppose it does come under the professionalism banner to be able to train really hard. Um, and you, you're you're a manic trainer, a manic um, preparer. Talk us through a bit of that, um, and and trying to be the best player possible. But talk us about: Did you learn this, or is it something learned, um, from from an early age? Yeah, um, I definitely learned it. I think I think we we learned a lot of things. Um, both my parents were were in the army, um, and so I sort of learned um i guess structure and um and, and and time management and all these other things very very early and um i think that's a quote i've always i always remember um mum used to tell me if you're if you're gonna do something you might as well do it really well and i think the first time i heard it was something to do with hanging clothes on the washing line it was like if you're gonna spend five minutes um hanging the washing you might as well spend seven minutes and and do it all neatly and um and that, that's how mom does it. And that sort of stuck with me, but obviously it's a more than just, um, just hanging, washing on the line. It, it came down to if I'm going to be at a training session, if I'm, if I'm going to be, um, you know, aiming to get drafted, I, I might as well put everything into it. Um, you're better off sort of failing at something, knowing that you've, um, you've put everything you can into, um, into or you know all your energy into it and I, I had some, I had some really good, uh, mentors as well that were, were very much in line with that, um, uh, obviously yourself um, coming through as a head coach in the academy uh, it was a, it was an environment where hard work and doing extras and, and trying to be the best you can be was um, was really encouraged and I think that sort of allowed me to develop it further um, alongside that when I was when I was 12 I started doing 
um, some strength and conditioning with um, with a private coach called Joey Hayes, and and he's been huge for my, not only my footy career, but um, now getting into strength and conditioning as well. Um, yeah, like you're saying, just this this um, sort of manic desire to do everything you can to get yourself right. And um, again, I'm using a whole bunch of quotes, but he used to say, um, "You want to train like, like it's just imagine it's game day, and you you want to step over that white line, knowing that you've prepared better than." The person next to you the um than than your opponent and that really stuck with me as well it was um yeah sort of translates what you're doing into training oh sorry what you're doing at training and, and how that can sort of build confidence and um yeah it's it, it's very true that, that that competence breeds confidence and um yeah that was just sort of something that that um everyone around me um encouraged me to do and um, yeah, it's very much something that, that I learned from uh, from all my mentors. Well, that's a good point. I think oh, I love that quote. Hopefully, we can put that up on our on our site or our our, uh, our blog or, or something like that because I, I really like that one. It's a, say, that, say that again. So it's it's your, your mum's quote. It's do something right the first time. Uh, yeah, if, if you're gonna do something, you might as well do it really well. <laughs> my wife reminds me of that, and it's usually to do with the washing. So yeah, <laughs> she's probably uh, listening and. And thinking, I told you so. Everyone else is uh, onto that. So, like, <laughs> but, uh, but definitely with me, I think it's, it's the professionalism. Obviously, again, you're a really professional young player. And then was touched on um, last week about uh, and last uh, session about talking about with my most professional awards and things. I think I learned a bit of that too. Um, it's it seemed to me that you it was ingrained in you a lot and. Saying that your parents or step before about your parents being in the army and things like that, definitely. And actually, a lot of recruiters' dreams are going um, to recruit um, sons or daughters of uh, ex-military. So um, there's a good, really good uh, combination there because it obviously does uh, breed that sort of, uh, as you said before, competence and professionalism and um, all the above in terms of getting the job done and, and ticking boxes. So. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely great. And you definitely wasn't learned. I think um, you, you're only learned as you sort of go on to. And you obviously said you've got some really good mentors there um, and some people that you relied on a lot and, and, and obviously could talk to a fair bit and, and learn on the run. Um, so leading into your draft year, mate, um, at the academy, you it's fair to say now getting a bit of understanding yourself that this isn't out there, you're an overachiever. So year 12, and not going to boast, I'm not going to pump you up too much, but answer the questions um what was your year 12 uh, mark can you remember uh my op it was um i think it was a, a five or a four or something so equivalent to sort of 90 plus percent which is or 85 to 90 percent which is a which is a fantastic effort so you, you were doing doing year 12 um you were pushing obviously in really, in really good squads and, and um and talent squads state squads allies <laughs> with the under 18s um, and then going to university. So some of the um, players or a lot of the players now, I think it's similar to the southern states, um, their 18th year is their school year, where our 18th year up here in Queensland is um, a lot of, the, especially like you, a March-born um, child, is, is that you're, uh, you finish school at 17. So therefore um, you get university in, in sort of your 18th year. So juggling university, you've got, um, full-time sort of football as much as we think it's part-time probably is full-time in your draft year talk us a bit through that mate and then that sort of year and how that went for you yeah good question um i think the under 17s year is is almost just as chaotic as as under 18s um and that was the year i was still in year 12 and i, I um if we backtrack to school a little bit i was very lucky to have um, a really supportive um, school, like uh, an entire school. We, I went to a really small college on Tamri Mountain, um, and uh, like the principal and everyone was like really understanding that I might have to leave training a little bit earlier. Um, uh, sorry, leave leave school a little bit earlier to get to training, and um, literally anything I needed, they were they were there to help. Um, and I think I had a really positive experience with high school, and it's not always that easy. But I think that went a long way to allowing me to um, do the under 17s year um quite quite easily um and then yeah um the under 18s year and first year of university was was hectic um how many subjects did you do in your first term or uh, i think i was doing three uh three subjects a semester so not quite full-time um but i was 
it was up there. Um, so did you start engineering? Was that the? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I did first year engineering. Um, that was an interesting one because I, I sort of I knew that I wanted to do sports science or something in the um in in the health science world, but I also really enjoyed maths, and I sort of sat there with a list of um of all the possible degrees, and I just ordered them in 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 um in order of the highest OP, and I managed to get engineering. So I did that, which I later figured out wasn't necessarily my passion. Um, but I still learned a lot, and and um. And yeah, I guess the, the physics side of things translates really well over to biomechanics um, as well. But um, it really is a juggling act. And I think um, you get caught up in, um, and you've probably had similar experiences. You get you get caught up in the in the schedule and, and all of your commitments and, and what other people need you to do and where you need to be. But I always found that if I mastered like um, my routine at home or my daily basics, then everything else would sort of figure itself out. Like if I was waking up early and, and, and I had a, you know, a mobility routine or whatever it was to go for a swim. Um, at the moment I'm swimming and, and I think that the little things that you don't have to do, but that get you in a really good sort of um, start to the day. I think that was something that I um, sort of relied on a little bit to, um, to keep everything consistent. Obviously coming out of school, you've got a routine that's given to you by the, um, by the school and university is very much, you choose your own study hours. You've got to do all this work, by yourself so you have to do a lot of scheduling um and yeah time management i guess um without the direct guidance and um for me i i genuinely found that it was the little things um starting my day well and um, at the moment i've got this little this sort of thing i realized in um throughout covid and it's it's that if uh, you, you know the old quote of how you do anything is how you do everything and i've sort of i realized that when i'm a bit chaotic and i'm not sort of across everything um, all my uni commitments, my work commitments, if it's all a bit too much and I'm taking on more than I can um, can handle, my car is really dirty at the same time and it just seems like I don't have time to think about looking after myself. The chief um, performance indicator that... 100%. 100%. Your mind's a bit um, obviously rattled or, or uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, really chaotic. So um, Yeah, 100%. Don't mind you want. Yeah, it's an interesting little um, little thing, but I and I used to find that like just cleaning something up or or, or you know really just getting um, getting my environment really in order sort of helped me get my mind in order as well. And um, yeah, I sort of advise anyone out there to sort of find out what their what their messy car is and yeah. Um, and yeah, just sort of keep on top of it because it's um, it's easy to take on too much. And and I think it's I'm learning now that it's important to know when there when it is too much and that's something i probably um struggled with early days i actually remember um, i actually remember fainting at training do you remember that yeah well, i was going to bring the uh, the infamous faint. it's it's right on cue mate i was about to say so the lesson learned around actually doing too much um you've obviously got the personality traits or the character to be able to probably take on a bit too much and now you've you're understanding that coming out of um i suppose the the academy and and, and, and really entrenched in university and work now taking on a bit too much uh, early days. Um, talks a bit about that experience, um, about the funding experience at Trani. Uh, yeah, so uh, to give, to give some, uh, some context, I think it was year 12 exams or, um, or uni exams, I can't quite remember. I think it was right in the middle of the football season. You were, yeah. were travelling a fair bit with the allies stuff, potentially. We had an awards night um, that was right in the middle of the year to wrap up our academy series. That's right, yeah, yeah. Already done a couple of Melbourne or Sydney trips, and it was right in between mid-semester exams or mid-mid mid-year exams at university, um, and we just finished training. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, that's right. We we've been travelling a fair bit, and and it was exams. I was studying for exams. I think I was writing a speech for that awards awards night as well. Um, and it was like a hot day or something. And I just remember walking over to get a drink, and like I just completely zoned out. It was the, it was the weirdest thing. I was just mentally fried, um, physically as well. I hadn't had a whole lot of sleep i think we got home at like 1 a.m from sydney or melbourne or something um and yeah i just i just couldn't handle it and um it's an interesting one i think i think i learned a lot from it and i'm a lot better at it now and um very lucky to have um a boss like yourself forced i've got forced leave coming up soon um <laughs> i think I, I need a little bit more of that but um you like you know it was a it was a, it was a real strange sort of sort of moment I'd, I'd never sort of reached that tipping point of overloading myself whether it's school or 
footy or whatever it is. I think everything just, um, yeah, I sort of never reached that point before and I, I definitely learned a lot from it and like, you know, it's not what you want to be doing um, and I advise anyone to um, obviously stop before it gets to, to that level but um, yeah, that's, you've got, you got to find a balance. could probably put, yeah, put a bit of um, a bit more context to that story. I think, uh, I think we got the golf buggy out so there's a buggy that drives <laughs> around the Chicon Stadium um, a trainer usually drives around obviously not allowed heavy vehicles or, or bigger motor vehicles within the stadium and got this little golf cart and the, the new setup of the Gold Coast Suns is, is tucked a fair bit away from our academy ground and where the presentation has been held was back inside the main, the new Suns facility. So it was a good probably kilometre, um, K and a half back to the back to the main facility. So we had to get Harry on the golf cart. He was passed out on the ground at training, right on dusk. We don't have any lights and then back ovens. Got him in, his teammates were worried about him, got him in, took him in the car. Probably still can't remember it. Then we sort of carried him into the. Uh, it was actually the senior sons players, which though obviously was um, it was after hours, and that was in their players' lounge. And he went to uh, went to bed for about two or three hours, mate, and missed the presentation. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I think so. And, slept through it. Yeah, slept through it, which you needed. Oh, it was absolutely cooked. Um, but yeah, obviously a, a bit of fun with the story, but a huge lesson in there: just not take on too much um, and just managing. Managing those things in your workload and things, I think, is really important. Um, but just on this, con- the, the the subject of having this, pursuing this plan B. So, talk to me more about when you when you de- well, definitely could see it, and, and and we we had constant discussions around it. You wanted to be an AFL player. Let's let's not um, beat around the bush about that. And and like a lot of young players around Australia, thousands, um, you wanted that dream, um, and you did everything you possibly could. Um, when, when did you, when did you realize, I mean, it would have been through school, no doubt with, with your, your, uh, with your scores and your grades and things like that. When did you realize the importance of having that plan? Because you're going really hard for that AFL dream, but just talk to us a bit about that plan and when you identified that plan and, and how it sort of looked. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, um, in my mind, it was, it was either, it was either play AFL and study part-time or study full-time. Um, I don't think, uh, actually, um, there was a point when I was, it was just before, I think it was the end of grade 11, just before, or the end of grade 10 when we when we chose all our subjects for senior year. And I was sort of, I was on the verge of just sort of taking school sort of half-assed and, and, and really focusing on footy. And I sort of, um, that, that was a little bit unlike me. I'd sort of, um, I guess I was I was thinking about putting all my eggs in one basket, and I was gonna I, I was really good at maths, for example, and I was gonna um, I was or, or maths came easy to me, and I was I was gonna take uh, just maths B and and not do maths C, which is like sort of the extension maths. And I remember um, I remember one of my teachers, my my maths teacher, Mrs. Jacko, she was awesome. Um, she yeah, she sure, isn't it? yeah, there's all it, oh, it helps having it helps having really good teachers. But um, yeah, she brought me in, and then she said, look understand next year is going to be busy for you it's a draft year all that kind of stuff um what was it or whichever whichever year it was um with footy the commitments were huge but um she really thought that i would i'd be good enough to to juggle it and and you know sort of offered her support to to help me through it throughout the year and um that was a chat after school when you know i was very close to just sort of letting letting education sort of take a back seat and i think seeing the um the confidence that that she had in me and um and my parents as well they were they were huge um not pushing me towards anything but saying that um yeah they'd sort of back me in whichever whichever direction i chose allowed me to make a really good decision and and i'm so grateful that i did go down that path and um i really i i really enjoy studying and 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 i had a great experience at high school um and yeah i guess i guess there wasn't really a moment where I decided I would have a plan B. It was it was very much always either footy and uni or or just uni. Um, and I didn't know my plan B would be um, would be sports science. Initially, I thought it would be engineering. Um, and then yeah, it sort of sort of turned into um, uh, yeah, it turned into sports and exercise science. Um, but yeah, it was it was it's amazing that isn't it? Like we get we get forced to make a decision at eighteen, seven, and seven in Queensland. Yeah, 18, yeah. Um, sort of now eighteen nationally, but. To make a decision on the rest, of, not the rest of our lives, but to sort of a lot of pressure on that. So if you're listening out there and you sort of are 
you know, approaching year 12 and, and, and the pressure of university and things like that, or, or if it's a trade or, or if you, you don't like school and you think you, you're better off going to a trade or, or, or something like that at 15, 16, then it's not, it's probably potentially not what you're going to end up doing forever. So, um, take the pressure off a bit. Yes, have the mindset of, you know, putting in all the energy and doing your best shot about the job in, you know, in, in front of you. And that's, if that's school, if that's a trade, if that's a, apprenticeship if that's the university or if that's football whatever it is just do your best at what you can do um, manage it um, but I think it's a really good message to, to actually not sort of answer that question and say well was it plan B this this thing that I'm pursuing is is, is in front of my eyes no it was just something you did and, and that's a sort of bit of an outcome of, of having a crack at a lot of things um, and opening your eyes and keeping a lot of doors open I've got a bit of a quiet too is keep keep as many doors open as you can and don't shut them. Um, and that's that just means pretty much, you know, opportunities do come. You, you might not think, you know, door number one is is the door you're going to go down, um, but don't shut it because, you know, door 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 number two might not be it either. So just keep door one, door two, door three, do, door four, whatever it is, open and then take your pick and, and go on your journey. So, yeah, really important one. Yeah, that was that was a good yeah. thing actually with with yourself and um and all my other coaches and and mum and dad. It was I think I I learned very early that whatever that that any sport, especially footy, is a real it's a young man's game. And you know, best case scenario, you have a really long career. You've still got that much left of your life. Like um, if it's if it's not your if if you don't go straight to uni or if you if you don't find something else as your plan B, you'll um, initially you'll you'll definitely need it later on in life. Um, I think yourself, Franzi, studied business, was it um, part time or through your career, and obviously yeah, that held in good stead. Um, property at, at university and, and property development was something I was sort of intrigued in. My, my father was in it and worked for a company in Melbourne. One of my really good mates is in property development at early twenties when I was at Richmond and. You know, I've invested in property and, and things. I haven't been fortunate enough in an AFL career, but um, to, to be able to do that. But um, I'm definitely not working in property full time at the moment. So it's something that I chose, and I've got a great you know sort of understanding of it. But the business things sort of lead to to the business now and one on one football, and 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 um, I think business too does translate in a lot of things you do with with football too. So ex- yeah, great example. You don't sort of end up what you're sort of doing it. Um, start doing it 18 particularly, um, which, yeah. which is good. You'll, you'll um, eventually use the plan B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point. Um, so just to move on to just a bit more in depth um, about your, some of the experiences you, you had and some of the best experiences you had in, in your draft year or even, your, your, let's say, your 17th, 18th year. I remember you going down to Melbourne playing grand final week in um, you know, an all-stars game with arguably the best sort of 40 to 50 players in the country, um, played some um, under-18 allies before the national championship. Give us some of your best moments um, throughout your junior career. Uh, yeah, um, as you mentioned, um, my under seventeens year was was probably my my best. Looking back on it, um, in my, throughout my junior footy, I um, yeah, I was lucky enough to play bottom age for um, for Queensland, uh, Queensland, uh, Queensland's under eighteen side. Um, I wasn't in the the national academy at the time, but got the um, got the invite down uh, to go and play in the I mean the All Stars game prior to grand final. Um, so travelled down to Melbourne, and, um, and that was an, that was an awesome experience. Definitely wasn't my best game, um, so probably missed an opportunity there to um, uh, yeah to sort of cement myself in the um, on the national scale. But I thought I was um, doing pretty well in, in Queensland, and I had um, obviously the the under 18s year to look um to look to and um yeah then under 18s came around and um was lucky enough to um play for the allies in the in the under 18s national championship um wasn't a wasn't my best series but um again was lucky enough to play against some 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 awesome teams and um play with and against players that ended up um having afl careers and um that was again an awesome experience um a few injuries along the way but um uh, then under 19s actually um, stayed around and, and and stayed in the in the Suns Academy and um, again talk about opportunity uh, managed to to train uh, full time with the with the AFL team um, at the Suns and um, learned a heap. Um, I wasn't always on the track. I was in the uh, in the on the physio table a fair bit, but um, but just being in an environment like that um, and yeah, really having sort of first hand access to to what the the elite 
of the elite are doing. Um, I took a lot from it. Again, was was able to train with some some awesome players and train under some some awesome coaches. And um, yeah, I mean that year is an interesting one. My under under nineteens, I think I probably learned some more professionalism and had to be um, a little bit more, um, I guess, proactive and, and across my own training um, than I had before um, in, in in previous years, and probably learned more than I than I would if I was if I was on the field the whole time. Um, yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a it was a great time, and I look back on my my time in the academy really really fondly. Um, my time at Metricon really fondly. Um, have some awesome connections, and um, and and yeah, a lot of what I'm doing now um, I wouldn't have been able to do without um, uh, yeah the support and, and and the people that I met along the way. Um, yeah, on, on the Gold Coast. So missing missing that drafts on your identity, you probably didn't have yet a better seven eight year than your identity. And your identity, did you feel the pressure of the draft? There were obviously some injuries. So talk to us about some of the injuries, and also share with us you know the heart, the heartbreaking moment of obviously missing out, and then going to sort of your ninth year. Yeah, um, yeah. So missed out on the on the draft in the in the under eighteens and. Um, sort of got to got to watch a lot of my teammates um start their journey on on an afl list and i'd be lying if i said it it wasn't hard it was um obviously there's a lot of disappointment um probably gave me the opportunity to spend more time at uni um which again was something i was really passionate about so i sort of did my best to um to take the opportunity that it presented rather than sort of staying really down on the fact that I didn't get picked up. Obviously I was, there was a period where I was, I was really disappointed and um, yeah, I had an awesome support team around me. So um, got through that um, quite well. Also recognizing that the under 19s was, was still an opportunity to do so um, to still get drafted and um, yeah, decided to, to stay around and, and, um, and really um, sort of cement my place in, in, in the NEFL squad um, at the Suns and, um yeah like i mentioned before it, it gave me an opportunity to spend a bit more time on um on uni and, and i sort of took that and i think the the theme of this podcast is really pursuing plan b not just sort of resorting to plan b and saying oh it's not what i want to do but i'm doing it anyway i sort of accepted that that afl hadn't happened for me in that in that year and and really went about trying to um trying to make something happen at, at uni and um and really going after it instead of just sort of sitting there and um, and wishing I was I was on an AFL list. Um, I mean, I I look back on it now, and I probably don't remember all the all the little moments where I, you know saw something and got really disappointed. But um, in the long run, I look back at it, and you know everything happens for a reason. I'm um, in a in a really good place now. I'm really happy with with, with how everything's going, and um, yeah, that that um, that period in my life as a, as an 18 year old definitely um, definitely contributed to to where I am now. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, sort of a setback to the time. And I talk this to a lot um, with junior footballers and, and young men in particular that, that you look back and it's really, you know, you deal with people every day that, you know, have setbacks and things like that and, and that resilience factor that you need. Um, but also, too, is it's it's the catalyst for something bigger, I think. It's it's really heartbreaking at the time. So missing the draft, having injuries, like one of your injuries is like a navicular injury, which is, you know, it's that's... That's no ordinary injury. That's you know that's a, a really significant injury, and that's a, that's a big setback. But at the time, if you asked asked you about it, you obviously be really you always had a great positive outlook. But it was you know you'd be very disappointed. But if that was to set you up for the person you are now, and again we touched on my story in episode one about you know a knee injury and specific knee injury that actually turned me into the person I am today, and I always look back at that. So. I think those moments you have in time um, always reflect and think. Well, you know, at the time it was it was really negative and it was tough, but in time um, that shapes you for the person you are. And I think that's definitely you today, mate. Um, which is which has been, you know, sort of moulded and shaped for the person you are. So which which is great. But pursuing playing A was still there. So let's talk about the move to Melbourne and playing for Coburg. So you got to United, you were in the academy on the Gold Coast. How it works in the Northern Academies is that. Um, you can only be an academy player up to your 90th year. Once, if you don't get drafted in your 90th year, then obviously you've got to move on to a different program. And a lot of guys stay around in Queensland, which is great for Queensland football. They go to Southport in the Neefal or maybe up the road to Aspley um, in Brisbane. But you chose to move to Melbourne, which a lot of uh, some of the boys have done. Um, talk us a bit about the move to Melbourne and playing for the VFL and, um, you know, keeping 
pursuing plan A, but the plan B was still still there. And then obviously um, today. Yeah, there's um there was a lot of things that went into that um into that decision, and um I remember I was I was very close to to signing at Southport, um, and yeah, playing a year in the NEFL, um, staying with family, staying at the uni I was at, which was which was Griffith, um, but I yeah I sort of I'd always been interested in 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 Victoria and um obviously the the sporting capital of the world, um. It was, it was very appealing and, and I knew the VFL competition was um, was highly enough rated that if I had a really good season um, and sort of draw a bit of attention. Um, but that was that was only only part of the decision. I had um, uh, my my really good really good mate Brody Foster who we grew up with uh, who, sorry we grew up together in the academy. Um, he'd already made the decision to, to move to Victoria and play for Coburg. Um, so that was, I guess, just another 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 thing that um, sort of encouraged me that way. I was um, that was more so deciding between the the the, Vic, the, the VFL clubs that I was, I was going to go to. Um, I was either Frankston or Coburg, and I chose Coburg. Um, there was, I guess, we I already had family down here, so I sort of knew that I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be stuck. I could so I sort of stayed with my my aunt and uncle for um, the first couple of months. And actually, one of the one of the biggest things that um, that that pushed me down the the road was uh, was uni again. Um, so I remember when I was I think grade ten, and I was looking at uh, at unis at universities and and different courses that they offer. I'd I'd always been really interested in Victoria University. Um, got the yeah the, like the the biggest biomechanics lab in the in the southern hemisphere and a, and a really um, well renowned sports science uh, degree. And I think it was I was just looking for something else. So that 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 one last little thing to um, to help me make the decision to to move to Victoria and that and that was it. Um, I was actually really excited uh, not only to 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 start my VFL career, let's say, um, but also get stuck into um, into life at VU and um, yeah, still there now and uh, absolutely loving it. It was um it was a it was a big move. I I was uh, my 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 girlfriend Carly. She was actually over in Japan, so. I wasn't moving away necessarily from um, from Carly. I was obviously moving away from family, but um, I sort of um, didn't see the reason why not to. And um, just to give some context as well. Carly had moved to Japan to um, uh, to be an actress at, at, at Universal Studios, and uh, you know the, the thought of moving overseas to me just um, on a contract was so out of this world. But then um, once I'd seen that she could uh, she could do that and, and really succeed at it. Moving to Victoria didn't seem like such a uh, such a big deal, um, especially with the opportunities that it presented. So there was a lot that went into it. But similar to yourself, Franzi, when um, when you got drafted and, and moved from Queensland to Victoria, um, having family around makes it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, just having somewhere to go on the weekend, and um, I can't thank my, my my aunt Kath and and Uncle Matt for um for what they 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 did for me and the support that they they gave me all the way through. Um, certainly made it a lot smoother than. Um, than what it could have been, let's say, um, and yeah, really, really thriving now. Love it, everything but the uh, but the weather. Yeah, well, they don't definitely uh, cater for the weather down there, but they've got everything else. Great sporting city, passion of eating forward. Um, as you said, turned from um, engineering into exercise science, and and went down the uh, the Vic, Vic Uni path, which sounds like an incredible university. Um, Coburg, a um, few setbacks there again, more injuries. Um, talk- how you dealt with setbacks, especially now being isolated, um, not isolated, but um, a little bit less family around and, and, you know, those cold winter days, I think you sent me a photo or a video one day um, playing for a suburban club in the north, in the northeastern suburbs um, or league, Diamond Valley League, was it? Um, one of those leagues out there and uh, yeah. and there was an incident. Um, we got knocked out and you know, I think it was one of the final straws for, for injuries um, for you, definitely. Um, only so much you can take. So how did you deal with those setbacks? Yeah, that um, the, I had a couple of injuries throughout the year, but um, yeah, the the concussion that you mentioned was um was definitely the biggest one, and um, that was that was a really hard one. I actually remember um, so yeah, knocked out, got got brought back to the bench by the uh, by the medical staff, and I remember sitting there while they were bringing a cart around. Um, the trainer was bringing a car around to take me to hospital. I just remember sitting there thinking like. Like, you know, you get a little bit emotional when um, when you get knocked out and, and concussion sets in. I just remember like I wasn't, it was sort of like a realization that I wasn't actually enjoying 
footy as much as I used to. Um, and it was really interesting that it happened at that moment because I'd, I'd had heaps of injuries and I'd had worse injuries and a concussion, you know, it's a couple of weeks and you'll be back. Um, but it's interesting that it, I didn't sort of have that moment after um, my navicular stress fractures. I had it after, a, you know, a concussion at a local game. Mm. Um, that was a hard one. But look, I had I had a lot of, again, I had a lot of family around. I actually had like two of my uncles at, waiting at the hospital for me before it even, um, before like I even got there. And again, just comes back to having, having, having a support ne- network around me and um, missed a few weeks and whatnot. And, you know, I only, I only ended up playing, I think five games for that whole season. Um, but again, like I, I had, a, I had such a good support network that I was easily able to, I guess, redirect my energy to something else. And, and, and my outlet was, was uni. I, I really enjoy studying and, if I'm not gonna gonna put all my effort into um, into training as hard as I can, or put it into studying as hard as I can, and I sort of got the same um, reward from from that. I think we're all chasing like that sort of um, uh, feeling of accomplishment or um, or whatever it is. But I think yeah, yeah. I think to keep me busy, that was it. It wasn't as it wasn't as hard as um it, it sort of got better over time like injuries are frustrating and you never want to be there but if you can find something to redirect your energy it um it goes a lot faster and i think um yeah i i can't i can't stress have it the, like the importance of of having a really strong support network around um it'd be it'd be completely different as you know um Ramsey, like it'd be um injuries are, are very much an opportunity but if you don't have people I guess encouraging you to sort of look at the um, look at the positive side. It can it can get um, yeah, it can get a little bit dark. I guess. Yeah, I think the thing is having that outlet again. Doesn't matter how old you are and you look younger, and then um, you know even that age, just having those outlets and and it was university for you, and that's an that energy you could put in. I think energy is a huge one, and that's satisfaction and accomplishment that you spoke about those words before. I think. That is that is critical to um to you know mental health. Talk about mental health and stress and all that sort of stuff. I think you know um or, or being able to have a really good balance in your life. And footy doesn't go away. You can turn to those outlets and support networks. Let's not kid ourselves. Family and friends are the most important, but to have those outlets too. And um, because you're not, we we all play football for um you know mateship and 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 um and the love of the game but let's not kid ourselves too we played to, to win and we played to be competitive and to accomplish something and yeah. if that gets taken away from us it's bloody tough so yeah it's it's a really good message there mate so i think on that as well i think um it actually might have been joey that told me as well but uh, another quote that's really stuck in my head is that all you need to be happy is um something to do something to look forward to um yeah. and someone to love and obviously having something to do if, if footy's out of the picture, um, whether it's an injury or if it's long-term, I think as long as you can replace that something to keep you busy mm. um, and you've always got something to look forward to down the track as well, um, yeah, you'll be um, you'll be able to sort of, yeah, I guess, find a bit of content um, and, yeah, really sort of really enjoy the way things are going. <laughs> All right, Harry, let's move on to the present day. Um, so you're a qualified strength and conditioning coach and um, and nearly completed your sports science degree um, at university. Um, so was this, a, again, it wasn't always your plan, but did you have a passion for strength conditioning? Obviously, the injuries you went through might, may have opened up your eyes to a few things. Um, talk us a bit about sort of the, the present day and what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, strength conditioning, um, sort of consider myself more of a performance coach. Um, I don't, I don't sort of um, spend a lot of time in the gym, um, but obviously anything to do with, with sports performance. Um, I also got exposed to, to the world of S and C. Yeah. Right from, right from sort of the age about 12, when I started training with, um, with Joey Hayes. Great Joey Hayes. He's he's had a few mentions on you. Be really happy. So Joey's a, a bit of a, uh, a guru on the Gold Coast when it comes to strength conditioning and and, try, and, and trains a lot of private um, athletes which have gone and got drafted and does a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think he sort of um, contributed to that 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 elite sport environment. Um, aside from like the programs themselves, I sort of uh, yeah, I was sort of exposed to um, to some some AFL players through Joey um, sort of trained with Kurt Tippett, um, Katie Brennan as well, before she moved down to Melbourne. Um, that's where I first, uh, first 
got in touch with Katie. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess I guess Joey was uh, was my first sort of introduction to to sports science and strength and conditioning, and I was immediately sort of fascinated by it. I wasn't the fastest bloke going around, as uh, you can attest to, Renzi. Um, so I was always sort of eager to um, to do anything I could to um, to you know get myself faster, um, get myself fitter, and whatnot. And um, and yeah, so that sort of started from the age of twelve, went right through. Um, I think I was. I was always fascinated by anatomy and um, biomechanics, and I, I, I got a running coach um, again through Joey when I was um, I think fourteen or so, and I just found it so fascinating. I was I was barely training; I was just asking questions the whole time. Um, I was just I think it was um, it tied in really well too. I liked to sort of see what I was doing and and how it might affect my game and. Um, yeah, the passion really grew. Um, I was, I, I think I remember when I was like 13, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a strength conditioning coach and people ask what's that. And I'd sort of enjoy, enjoy explaining what strength conditioning was. And, um, yeah. and yeah, then, um, when I moved and, and that, that idea of, of, of a sprint coach and running techniques sort of, um, evolved more and more as I, um, got injured more and more. So I had, um, had a couple of recurring injuries and, like a, a hamstring that wouldn't go away and then um and then some stress fractures in in like you said before in my navicular which is uh like a bone in the midfoot um and i sort of I, I wasn't i wasn't satisfied with um with the fact that these injuries keep coming back and um i sort of i guess i got tired of of doing this the same rehab and, and have the same program come back uh, the same the same problem come back again and and I, I was always, like I said, I was always asking questions. I was like, well, why is it happening? I don't just want to know what the plan is. I want to know why it's happening. Why, why have I had the same injury twice? And I think that sort of sparked me, apart from the fact that I was studying sports science at the time when I was sort of 18, 19, I think that sort of sparked me to go down my own path and figure out, well, all right, if it's not, I was spending a lot of time in the gym. I knew I was strong. I had, um, you know, I was, I was, I was lifting, you know, pretty, pretty decent for my, sort of position and, and my height and I sort of well, there's no I still don't know why it's happening um and so that got me down the, the biomechanics um side of things and I was lucky enough to work with um with a with an awesome running coach uh Bowden Babacek I hope I pronounced his last name yeah, right. Bowden's been around a long time I actually didn't do any personal mm-hmm. sessions with him but a lot of my teammates actually a, a really good example Nathan Foley who I played with at Richmond he would have played over 150 games for the Tigers and Foles, um, Axel had a, it probably wasn't the quickest guy sort of coming through. Like, obviously, um, was okay, had a bit of sort of speed, and he got a bit of feedback that he needed to work on that. A bit, sort of reminded me a bit like you, mate. And he went and hired Babber, and, um, and along with a lot of other AFL players, a bit of the old school uh, model, he used to rock up and whether he gave him some cash or whatever, and he, he took him down the park and he, he just did some sessions with with him. Um, and he, he improved out of sight. I actually really remember um, Axel taking his game to another level with his speed. Um, and, yeah, got some incredible feedback on, on Baba. So he hooked up with him and, and learned a fair bit, mate. Yeah, he was he was awesome. And um, apart from the fact he's a, he's a, he's a ripping bloke, the, the sessions were just so enjoyable. And I and, and he always had a really good answer for me. Of, of uh, I was always like, why are we doing this? What does this drill do? He always had a really good answer. And yeah. and that sort of sparked my interest. I ended up going there just because I enjoyed the, the learning aspect of things so much. Um, and it, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, it, do, it doesn't make sense that, um, uh, that, that that injuries are just due to due to one factor. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at biomechanics as a, as a bit more of a, um, a holistic approach, looking at how you move, not just how much weight you can lift. I think that was, um, and then obviously how that can affect not only performance, but also injury risk. And um, looking back at it now, I've spent a fair bit of time looking into it. And I, I know what my running was like back in the day. And I think there's a lot of, AFL players that perhaps don't see the value um, in learning how to run, and just because you can run doesn't mean you you run well. Um, and whether it's for injury prevention or whether it's for performance, I see a huge sort of um, let's say gap in 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 the um, in in what particularly junior programs are exposed to. And I think um, watching uh, Bailey Smith from the Bulldogs is unreal player moves really like efficiently and um and i think he's got an athletic background i just think the, the importance of learning how to run properly and, and and how to move properly um yeah should perhaps be 
focused on a little bit more and that's that's what i do now i i, I sort of i look at biomechanics and um and, and and movement technique and i think um technique sort of trumps a lot of the the other biomotor qualities um like strength and power and whatnot and um Baba was Baba was huge sort of introducing me to um to yeah like private um sprint coaching or private running technique um yeah it was um that sort of sparked my interest even more so than the strength strength and conditioning and um and yeah I, I find it extremely fascinating how the how the body moves and how anat- how anatomy sort of um contributes to that and how to how to optimize movement patterns awesome so Matt, are you are you a big believer of um, let's let's say like Oz Kick is when you start your football journey for for a lot of footballers and and you you've got to learn a particular skill kicking handballing clean hands marking all that all the above are you a believer that we should actually implement um, some running technique or how to actually run as part of um, a program or or anything like that? Yeah, I think so. Um... I think the um, interestingly, interestingly enough, the problem of uh, poor running patterns probably gets worse as you get older, um, mm. and you're introduced to, to different types of uh, of training. Um, but I also, I guess, other um, other coaches might see um, the foundational movements um, of physical preparation, being a, a squat and a deadlift and whatnot, and um, I sort of work the other direction where foundations is. Um, or the, the foundations are, are the reflexes and the um, and, and the motor pathways in, involved in running and, and sort of work backwards from um, from that. And I think I think understanding that running is a is a skill um, and that uh, changing direction and decelerating safely and um, and even kicking are all variations of running um, in terms of um, the, the, the the common, um, the common what we call attractors um, so learning to run and learning to run well um, at high intensity um, it, it, it transfers really well to um, to game day and I think there's um, if you're if you're a really strong athlete or if you're a really um, really good footballer you've got really good good skills I think adding something like really robust, running patterns is, is, is perhaps a, a great way to go. And, and that starts from an early age. I think I remember um, I was lucky enough to train under um, Ash Marnie, um, who coached Sally Pearson and, and whatnot. And I remember him saying that I was with him when I was about 14, 15. And, and he sort of said between the, the ages of, I think it was 10 and, and 16, you're, you're very much just like a sponge. You will just absorb all the stimulus that you're given. And training uh sorry changing movement patterns it, it gets harder and harder as you get older and older but at, but at that age when you're sort of early teen it's such an opportunity to um let's say embed some some really um efficient movement patterns and look it it's it's i, I always talk to my athletes about how you're spending your fuel tickets and what return are you getting on um, on the training sessions that you're doing? And yeah, like to bring it back to running as a skill in the same way that you work on your your kicking and your and your hand passing. I think I think really um, developing your your skill um, in, in in running movements, um, yeah, is is absolutely foundational. Um, so if you're not, not doing, if you're not doing a club training or a squad training or a rep football or academies or anything like that, you definitely re- recommend someone obviously looking to to uh to hire a private coach something like you did um throughout yep. your days and things like that i think it'd be you know, massively beneficial for an athlete um, as you said before it's, i think that's the sponge is the key word to 10 to 16 years of age or whatever old you sort of said i think i'm a believer that that's the age for your skills even the earlier the better um the kicking yeah. and things like that you get a a kid and you're 16 or 17 you're trying to change someone's kicking style and, and I'm a big believer of not changing. I'm working with the technique instead of giving because we all run differently, we all kick the ball differently, we all yeah. you know, throw the basketball differently, we all you know, hit the cricket bat differently. Like it's it's it's, it's not one um, size fits all type of thing but it's it's about the earlier the better and actually ingraining a couple of those key fundamentals in in skill, which is really important. So with your 100%. coach, mate, um, talk us through some of your sessions and, and what you're sort of doing. Your, your coach would be a good accreditation with, with 
with uh, with AFL and, and you coach a bit of skills, but now you implement on the one-on-one football program or platform is um, is a bit of a mix of athletic development and, and footy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess with COVID, I've sort of been forced, it's probably not a bad thing, um, to do more outdoor sessions, um, which... Uh, yeah, it sort of in, encourages me down the down the down the running path, and um, I think we sort of somewhat underestimate the um, the strength effects that running and and running based movements um, and running based movement training can actually have on um, on joint integrity and um, and, and self protection. Um, my the way I coach is, is probably a little bit different to um, or is a little bit different to most. Um, I was lucky enough to meet. Um, the smartest person I've ever met, uh, Franz Bosch, in uh, about this time last year, actually. Um, so Franz is a, um, he's from the Netherlands. He's a, he's a professor. Guru, he's written a couple of books. Yeah, he's an absolute guru. Um, and when I met him, he sort of, I was lucky enough to spend a day with him and, um, and, and sort of stayed in contact since. And, and some of his concepts made a lot of sense to me. Um, coming from sort of a, um, coming from my playing days where I would put, and as we were talking about before, I'd put all of my energy, absolutely everything into making sure that I did all my programs perfectly to a T. I didn't miss a rep. I didn't miss a set. And yet still having the same problems. I, I didn't really get much faster. I didn't really get more robust or, or become um, less likely to get injured. I still had all these, and I was putting all of my effort into my strength sessions. I was, I was, you know, getting strong, I was lifting more and it just didn't seem to, transfer and um i guess this all sort of when, when i spoke to friends it also sort of added up and that um there's positives and negatives of training that um every exercise has positives and negatives and um and the transfer between what you do in the gym and, and the field is sometimes limited and and how can we make the uh, it comes back to fuel tickets how can we make the transfer as as high as possible so if you're spending you know, half an hour doing a session, how can you make sure that, that the patterns you're practicing can transfer to, um, to game day? And um, for mine, for my sessions that I run now as a coach, it's a lot about making sure that, that the athlete is stimulated enough. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, and I think Stefan Jones, it was from, um, from the UK, he was talking about how um, if you walk in a, in a room with flowers, um, you, you, uh, you, you smell them straight away. But if you walk in that straight, same room, Every day for a month, you you don't smell the flowers anymore. Um, you're understimulated. The 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 old stimulation, you sort of your brain sort of ignores. Um, and so some of the mode learning concepts that um, that that I've sort of been researching and and um, and learned from friends, I think are really really important for footballers and especially something like like set shot goal kicking, where we go over the same routine and we do it. Abs- we try and do it identical every single rep perhaps isn't stimulating enough. Um, it's the same with running. If you run a hundred meters with your arms normal and you do every, like a lot of the stuff I do is with a, with a stick on your shoulders or take the arms out of the equation to sort of stimulate a response, which is that the, um, the trunk muscles have to do a little bit more. And, um, I guess how that complements um, the week to week training schedule of, of some of the, the guys I coach is, is that they they come to a training session? We do a, a one hour or ninety minute session, and and they in that ninety minutes, they're stimulated, they're challenged, and um, they're probably only doing, they're probably only getting about seventy percent success on all the drills, and that's sort of a really good um, benchmark for me to aim for. If um, if someone's doing every drill perfectly, we need to progress it in a not not by add more weight to a bar, for example. It's more so make the coordinative yeah, challenge. Yeah. Yeah, really try and, and sort of um, stimulate. I'm going to use that word again, stimulate um, the athlete because on match day, the the chaos of the um, of the football field is way, way beyond what we normally do in training um, in terms of technique work. Um, and so, yeah, I very much make it my goal to, to stimulate the athlete in a way that's more chaotic than, um, sorry, with an environment that's more chaotic than what they'll have to face on game day. And for me, that comes back to how can I make sure that the guys I'm coaching step over that white line and, and are better prepared or better stim- or have been better stimulated um, than, than the person they're going to come up against. Um, and yeah, look, you've got to be a certain 
um, you've got to you've got to be a bit modest when you're being challenged so so much in a training session because you're not succeeding every rep, you're not hitting every kick. But the drills are designed to um, to to challenge you. Um, and every kick that you miss, you learn from. The next one you'll you'll hit. Um, as I'm I'm saying kicking a lot. Running's part of a kicking, and um, sorry, kicking's part of the the running technique. And um, that's another thing is I try and incorporate everything. I don't want I don't want my skill sessions to be separate from running. At the end of the day, you're you're always the same athlete. And the more we can integrate strength and and running technique and, and kicking technique, I think um, I think the better um, in terms of um, the success of the athlete. Um, there's a fair bit in there, but um, well, but, it's yeah. we need a whole new um, episode on this one, mate. Which, yeah, um, that's an episode. This podcast is obviously all about specific skills and topics and what coaches actually bring. But the first two episodes, obviously, we're doing a bit of an intro to us um, and get to know the host in, in us, but um, but also covering two a couple of our key topics that we have in our in, in both of our interviews. But it sounds like we can talk about this for another hour, um, and we probably need another episode to talk about. Some of your beliefs and topics, but I, I totally agree. Just to sum that up, there were some really good ones in there for me. It was the smell the the flowers. So um, I call also to sharpening the axe. So the axeman who goes to work every day and he blunts his axe and he's just he's he's working seven days a week and he keeps smashing his axe. He's going to get blunt after a while. But the the axeman that goes, it might be you know the four days, but he's more efficient. We'd rather be you know, and then he goes and sharpens his axe for three days. He'd rather be more efficient, and that's probably more of a time management analogy and, and things like that but i think the the flower analogy and also as you said the 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 fuel tickets and things like that being more efficient and that, and that stimulus is really important as afl coaches i know that we always argue with the topic around well there's not argue there's different different opinions around closed drill sessions so you, you do you actually need drills you actually need to line them there's no doubting that to warm up your legs and actually be able to spend some time now, a lot going to the driving range, but um, and and teeing off balls as a goal would. But I think, and that's where with my coaching recently that I've been able to implement certain like organised chaos sessions where it is it is like game day. And because why why actually putting drills and things like that just to to to, to uh, box tick and actually just get the session done where you actually can set up sessions where you're actually really challenging. Um, you know, athletes and, and make them, I suppose, more experienced and more susceptible to pressure. Um, and the other one there is too, just to the, the reflection is that, you know, like what, why do we love, you know, when we do sessions in any sport, why do we love games or match simulation? Because yeah. it's different and it's chaotic and there's so many different factors, not the same thing all the time. So with our coaches and with and our athletes, hopefully a lot of you guys are listening, it's, it's it's, it's more about that and, and the more you can put yourself in those environments or sessions or, or training plans, I think it, um, is going to set you up to be a better athlete. I think on that as well, the um, again, without getting too deep into it, it, it always comes back to, to what transfers. Is is doing something the same time or doing something a little bit heavier, is that going to transfer to the to game day? And I think there's a whole bunch of motor learning theories out there, but... Um, the coordinative aspect of or the or the movement pattern that is created is what transfers. And if you're constantly in in conscious control, so if you're kicking a set shot for goal and you're thinking about eight different concepts in your head and you're trying to say, oh, I've got a ball drop straight, I've got to do this, 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 you're not in the same phase that you'll be in on game day. Or if you're doing a, a closed skill, you're not in the same phase as what you'll be on game day. And that come and that results in a different um, mechanism for completing the skill so the, the mechanism for kicking a goal when there's no pressure is completely different to the mechanism when there is pressure that could be time pressure it could be it could be mental pressure it could be fatigue uh, the more that you can challenge the pressure the more you can add pressure the more you can make the, the environment more chaotic the more you're simulating the response that your body's going to have to give on game day and that come that 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 relates to to all skills kicking running agility anything um so that that conversation of, of closed skill to open skill is um yeah definitely gonna have to be a podcast episode right, in itself. Got me doing some thinking reflection then too, just on, on, on certain things and hopefully the audience has too. But um, mate, it's been a pleasure today. Um, or um, you know, wherever you're listening around um, the world, hopefully around Australia, um, with a guy like Harry that we do get on um, is is amazing because. 
the reason why I wanted to share this story is that, that Harry's actually gone out there, he's, he's opened those doors, he's, he's put his energy um, in, in the things in front of him in the present moment. Um, so he had the plan A of going into AFL football and having that dream and um, now and, and the plan B of his university and study and, and he really had a passion for studying and now finding his true love and passion in exercise science and, and as you said before, mate, um, athletic performance, could we get that right, not the old school strength <laughs> Um, is is now his plan A, um, if I'm rightly so, okay. Harry. Okay. Um, and it could just show you that 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 football isn't everything. Um, it's massive and and, and and actually should be, but there's also so much more to life and and, and so many things out there for you guys to um, you know, get your head around and open your doors to and um, and also invite um, and put your energy into something. That can be so rewarding, and having on board as um, you know a mix of roles as a coach and athletic performance and things like that, with with the coaching via the platform at one on one, and also in a administration role, it's um, it's been a pleasure. And looking forward to many many uh, more discussions on these podcasts, mate. But um, thanks to viewers um, on behalf of everyone today. It's it's been great to have you on board. Thanks, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the One on One Football Podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on future episodes, special guests, and more, feel free to subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. One-on-one football, connecting footballers with private AFL-accredited coaches Australia-wide. Register now at oneonefootball.com.au.